Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. For more information about our church and service times, please visit revival.me. Enjoy the message. But I, I, I really feel like it's important, this word that I'm going to be sharing with you is a mark of really what, what it's all about. And, and this message could be preached uh, throughout the year. And as a pastor for over 13 years, uh, what the subject of what I'm preaching on to you today is something that is so dear and branded in my heart as if it is a part of my DNA, which it is, but in the sense that it is something that I can never get away from. And uh, I've tried, and I see it everywhere in Scripture. I'm writing a book on it right now, uh, another book. And, uh, and, and so this, this is what I'm going to be talking to you today is about the promise of God's presence. And uh, can you say amen? amen? And just say that with me. Say, the promise of God's presence. And I want to start by reading in Exodus 33 uh, the story of Moses on the mountain. We could say it's Moses on the mountain, but really it was like Moses on his way to the wilderness. Um, and isn't that a typical experience that we have sometimes, you know? Uh, we get anointed by God and commissioned, and then all hell breaks loose. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and uh, it's like, what in the world? I get, I have, man, it was prophetic Sunday. I got this awesome word. And then everything goes wrong. Because the enemy always comes to test the seed. And the scripture even says that the, the birds come and steal the seed to those that understandeth it not. Here I am talking in King James. Come on, somebody. But there has to be an understanding of the word, a receiving of the word, so the enemy cannot rob it. And sometimes when we're on a mountaintop, it's okay to prepare ourselves, and I'm not saying this in a prophetic sense to your life, but sometimes we do have wilderness-type experiences. It doesn't mean that it's this season where, you know, like, we're, we're, everything bad's going to happen, but we live in a world where things happen. We're not glorified yet. Jesus hasn't returned. The kingdom's still coming. The kingdom is here, but the kingdom is still coming. Coming. We should not have an over-realized eschatology and think that everything that we do is a... And when God calls you, when he promises you, it's, it's in the process that we see the promise performed. And sometimes we get so excited about the promise, we forget about the promise keeper. Sometimes we worship the promise and not the promise keeper. Hello? Sometimes we're so stuck on our own destiny, we forget about our current assignment. And if we can't manage our current assignment, we can't handle our ultimate destiny. But what is it all about? Like, what are we doing what we do for? We're Christians. We, we advance the kingdom of God in a broken and dark world. How do we do it right? How do we do what we're created to do and live under the, the presence and the hand and the command and the commission of heaven so that we can do this thing the way God designed us. I think sometimes the reason we don't walk in authority is because we're not submitted to authority. We're not yielded to the reign of the kingdom. You can't release the power of the kingdom if you're not yielded to the heart of the king. And the story in Exodus 33 is befitting for Christmas to me because it's, it's Moses on the mountain and 
Moses meets with the Lord face to face. It's so beautiful. And, and the Lord shows up in a pillar of cloud and everyone worships. It was like, you know, when the presence of God manifests, people worship. And we should be a people that desire that. Pure worship does not come from perfect music. It comes from presence, Amen. from pursuing presence. I'm going to read from verse 9. It says, It came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle, the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord said, uh, He talked with Moses. And the people saw the pillar of cloud standing in the tabernacle door, and all the people rose and worshiped, each man in his tent door. And so the Lord spoke to Moses face to face, as a man speaks to his friend. And he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. I love that. I love the hunger of the next generation of priests, the next generation of warriors, the next generation that doesn't want to leave the presence. I want to be a Joshua. I want to be somebody who just loves the presence. I want to be like Moses who meets with the Lord face to face. And then this is the, the story we see where the promise, obviously, is how many know that there was a promise that there is a land given to God's people, and how many know that land is good? Amen. And there's good things in that land. Yes. There's fruit, and it's flowing with milk and honey. Come on, somebody. Yes. You never run out of creamer for your coffee. I mean, it's just right there. It's the river. You need coffee creamer? You don't need to go to the store. It's right there. It's flowing with milk and honey. And so there's a promise, and God has a conversation with Moses, and Moses is like, hold on a second. And he stops the Lord. The Lord says to Moses, and I'm picking up verse 17, I will do this thing that you've spoken, for I found gra you found grace. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm reading ahead. Let's go back up to verse 13. Verse 12, sorry. Then the Lord said to Moses, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now therefore, I pray, I have found grace in your sight. Show me now your way that I might know you and that I might find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. And here's what the Lord said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Amen. And he said to him, if your presence doesn't go with us, then I ain't going anywhere. Amen. I love that word, man. So good. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are on the face of the earth. And so the Lord said to Moses, I'll do this thing. And then the rest of the story could be an entirely different sermon, but the Lord, uh, Moses' cry, he says, show me your glory. And he says, I'm going to let my goodness pass before you, but you can't see my face and live. And then the Lord hides him in the cleft of a rock, which is a type of Jesus. And then the Lord passes by and reveals uh, a facet of his glory, but not his full glory. Now, eventually, uh, in the New Testament, Paul unpacks this and says that we see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. 
But the first thing I want to talk about is Moses on the mountain. You see, there's something about the ultimatum here where Moses, the heart of Moses says, okay, Lord, I'm, I get it. I get it now. You're, what you're saying is, and this is what happened, and this is what I want to give to you right now, is promised land without the presence and all the good things that it has to offer or wilderness with the presence. And Moses said, the promised land is not worth not having the presence. You know, as somebody who's in ministry, as a pastor, as a leader, this is always something that comes to the forefront of who we are as a people. That we are created to be a people of presence. Because one moment in the presence of God can change a life forever. 20 years of good sermons and nice pretty songs might not do anything, but one moment in the presence of God can change your life forever. And there's something about seeing the promised land with all that it has to offer, but without the presence or wilderness with your presence, I'll take the latter. I'll take the presence of God in the wilderness over any day with the promised land without the presence. Come on, somebody. See, we worship the promise rather than the promise keeper. In Nehemiah 9, there's this really potent verse where Nehemiah says, God, you are exalted above all blessing and praise. See, sometimes we worship the blessing and even the worship But God is exalted above blessings and praise. You are exalted above all blessing and praise. We get frustrated in the waiting. What about this prophetic word? Lord, is it going to happen? Sometimes the delay of a promise is a revelation of what we're pursuing in life. God, why, why hasn't this happened yet? You said it would, and I know it was you. You confirmed it a million times at a million prophetic conferences. Of course, I'm exaggerating, but that's how it feels, doesn't it? I know it's you, Lord. Why isn't it? The Lord revealed, sometimes there's a delay because he's revealing through the delay of a promise comes the revelation of a pursuit. Are we pursuing the promise or are we pursuing the promise keeper? Are we pursuing a principle or are we pursuing his presence? Because the Lord doesn't want to just meet with Moses and, and, Jesus, or, and, and the prophets face to face. He doesn't want to just, he wants to meet, and the priests, he wants to meet with us face to face. He wants you and I to encounter him together and individually. But we get frustrated in the waiting, but the delay of a promise is a revelation of pursuit. What are we after for our family, for our kids, for our church, for our community, for our city, for our life? There's something about the way that we measure success. Like in, in a family or in a marriage or in a church, whatever it is, how, like how do we measure success? And we could say that, you know, there's transformation. We become like Jesus and all that is true. You measure church success, is there discipleship? Are we reaching people, souls? Numbers are important. All giving's important. All that's important. But what's the true measure of success? You know, you don't know what, 
you don't know what you're missing. Like, if you're missing the mark, you don't really know unless you know what the target is. Hello? Like, if you don't really know what the target is, you don't know if you missed the mark. You don't know what the bullseye is. It's, and, and, of course, I, those of you that know me, the, the first thing that I think of, don't, please don't make fun of me, but I think of food. If you don't have a good palate, you don't know what good food is. Hello? I mean, there's some food that literally has almost brought me to tears. <laughs> there's some food that I almost, I'm like, this is the gospel right here. Like this, come on, somebody. There's this place in Las Vegas, and uh, it's called the kitchen table. I don't think I've ever shared this story uh, since we've been here, but I went to this place, and they, and they had this uh, pork belly, like, breakfast dish with chips, and, and uh, it was... I mean, I can still see it vividly in the eye of my spirit. Come on, somebody. And the chef is a wonderful man of God, anointed, obviously, in the kitchen. He's, uh, he's awesome. And, man, I was blown away. I'm eating this thing, and I'm like, oh, my. This, I almost spoke in tongues like four times in the middle of the restaurant. I'm not even kidding. I'm like some food. Like, I get the Holy Ghost in the church. Like, whoa, glory to God. Come on, somebody. I'm looking at the, did, did you see, I'm looking at people I don't even know. I'm like, you need to order this. I don't know if you've decided yet, order this right here. This is, this is the gospel, come on. Uh, and I'm eating this food and I'm enjoying it. Of course, my wife's probably laughing at me, you know, and, uh, and probably thinking at the same time, like, enjoy it, honey, but that's enough. Okay, no, uh, I don't know if that's what you think, maybe, probably deep down. Uh, honey, let's go on a diet. Okay, sorry. But I, I, I'm enjoying myself. And, uh, you know, it's funny, my mother-in-law, when I first met her, she used to do this thing that she used to do this thing. She go, we'd be in prayer and she'd go, ooh, glory. How many have ever heard somebody do that? Ooh, glory. And I remember the first time I heard it, I'm like, what is that? Like, I was raised Catholic. I don't know what any of that is, right? Ooh, glory. And, uh, and, and she would sometimes, like, it would, it would escalate. Like, there's different levels. It's, I think it's the same thing with food, right? Some food is just like, oh, it's pretty good, right? And some food's like really good, but you don't know what's good unless you have a good palate. And there's sometimes, there's food that awakens your palate. You're like, oh my goodness, this is, this is the real deal right here, right? And it's the same thing with tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. See, we measure success by things that we shouldn't be measuring success by because we haven't really tasted and seen the glory and the goodness of the presence of God as the people of God. Amen. And there is a tasting of a wine of his presence that the Lord wants to give us as a people. And then we realize like, oh, we have been measuring success the wrong way because the true measure of success of the people of God should be the presence of God and not all the other stuff. And the other stuff should flow out of the presence of God, not the other way around. My mother-in-law, ooh, glory. I, I, I've told this before, you know, years ago that I think there's levels to ooh, glory. I'm not going to do it right now because the fifth level will just blow you away. And you're, I'll probably do it for the 11 a.m. service because they're just a little more awake. No offense. I love everyone here. I love the 9 a.m. You parishioners are, you, you get up early for Jesus. You're probably more saved. You just don't drink enough coffee. But 
I'm not going to do the levels of ooh glory, but there are levels to ooh glory. And there is a level of glory. How many know the Bible says we go from faith to faith and from glory to glory? And I'm telling you, the Lord wants us, he wants to give us a bullseye and the measure of our success should be just like Moses. I would rather be in the wilderness with the presence of God than in the promised land without your presence. Come on, I want it for my family. Come on, somebody, I want it for my marriage. I want it for my city. Some of you have been praying. You need to pray for a deluge of the presence of God. A flood of that river of his love and grace to flood the local church, and then it would outflow out of your belly, out of your heart, and wherever you go, you're releasing the presence of God. Wherever you go, you're releasing his glory. Because when you taste and see that the Lord is good, you can't go back. You can't measure success based on the, the times of the past. You measure success based on the fact that God is with us and his presence is with us. Some churches look very successful, and they are, but not in the right way sometimes. Because a large church or a mega church absent and void of the presence of God, there is missing some success. Can you say Amen. And I'm not against large churches. I, our church, the church has grown. The church is going to continue to grow. But I don't want to grow without presence. And I don't want to go without presence. Hello? My heart is burning. My heart is burning. I want the presence of God in my marriage more with my kids. My heart is burning. Can you say amen? amen? Number two, I see this, the shepherds in the field. The promise of his presence, the shepherds in the field. Quickly, just turn to Luke chapter two. It's befitting for Christmas. I, I, we're just a week away here. And I want to talk about just a couple things that I see in this text. Are you enjoying this so far? In Luke chapter two, Many of you are familiar with this, but let's just read it. It's so profound to me. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over the flock by night. This was a common job, but this was not like this was not like a a career that had a huge retirement plan. This was not like what the elite pursued. Oh, I want to be a shepherd when I grow up. Shepherds were dirty, and it was cold out in that desert in the dark. So it's nighttime. It says, Behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said, Don't be afraid, for I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. We don't have to be afraid of His glory. We don't have to be afraid of His presence. 
God revealed the God-man born in the most unlikely place, first revealed to shepherds, the most unlikely people, but there was a king born, the God-man in a manger born among peasants. See, the answer to the world's problems is His presence. It is God with us, Emmanuel. You know, when Moses met the Lord face to face, and he says, Lord, show me your face. I want to show me your glory. And then God says, no one can see my face and live. In Exodus 33, 1, we see that that Moses met with him face to face, what we read earlier. But what's interesting to me, and I don't know if you know this, but the word face in Hebrew, panim, is the same word for presence. So when you're praying, Lord, show me your face, you're saying, Lord, reveal to me your presence, your nature, your love, your heart. I want to encounter who you are because I know when I behold you, I become what I behold. I'm transformed. We behold the glory of the Lord and we're transformed in the same image. This is why the gospel is not behave, but rather behold because when you behold the beauty of who God is, it changes you forever. And the same word for face is the word presence. I want to meet God. Show me your presence. Manifest your presence. And we see this, the shepherds in the field. The glory shows up. The glory manifests and they're afraid. Can I just tell you, church, you don't have to be afraid of the glory. There's no compromise. The church... That, that says, I, I know there's a promised land, Lord. I know there's promises in, in my life that you've given me. But I'm not after the promise. I'm after the promise keeper. Yeah. Even if I end up in a wilderness, from mountaintop to wilderness, I'm not going unless your presence goes with me. There's a beauty of just, I, I think sometimes it's so subtle, especially in ministry. It's like one quick example would be like, I spend time with the Lord and I read the Bible so I can preach a good sermon. No, I, I don't want that. Have I done that? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like you, you get in this, you get on cruise control sometimes. We do it with our relationship with the Lord. We'll read a scripture. And, oh, I learned something. I, I memorized four more scriptures. Well, yeah, but did that scripture lead you to encounter the guy who wrote the Scripture, the God who wrote the Scripture? Every verse points to the eternal word, Jesus. There's something beautiful about knowing like this place of intimacy, meeting God face to face. Lord, I just want your presence. I don't want... And I know there's promises. And, And yeah, we want to believe God for the performing of the promises, But through the process to see the performing of the promise, he reveals our true pursuit. And if our pursuit, hear me, it's not him, then we've missed it. I I was seeing it as our champions of worship were leading us and ushering us in to a place of, Lord, we just want you. I, I took a short video because... I'm looking at our two 
song leaders, our, our cantors, our worshipers this morning, leading us and ushering this army of worshipers, and they're both on their knees, and they're not facing you. They're, they're facing the centerpiece, which is the throne room of God. If he's not our pursuit, then what's the point? I don't care about the promised land. Yes, I care, but I don't care. Like, God cares, but he wants relationship. He wants you and I. He wants to encounter us together. And we've measured success with the wrong. We've missed the target. We've missed the mark. The mark of success is not based on abundance. It's based on the abundance of his presence. And then the latter comes. We seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. I love the psalm that says, let us be a generation that seeks your face. That seeks your presence. Psalm 24, 6. The God of Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. Selah. Stop and think about it. Meditate on it. Pause. Slow down. What does that actually mean? To seek the face of God. I know that this may sound like a hard word, but I'm just preaching my heart. I'm preaching my own journey. I'm preaching the frustration, the things that I go through. Like, I don't want to go through the motions. I don't want to be on cruise control. I don't want to just pursue a new building. I, I, I want it now. I want the presence of God. Because a new building without presence, I don't want it. Hello? And it's not a new building. It's already mostly built. Come on, we're just, we're just filling the inside. And, and as we, even as we give and we sow and we're believing God for this big year-end thing, it, it, there is a time where it's like, oh, man, this is a lot. It's Christmas time, and they're trying to get us to give $1,000, you know, or whatever. It's like, no, there is a time where we're, we're willingly sowing because we're, we're building now. And there's going to be a time where it's not going to be, there won't be this pressure like that God is filling it up. God is growing the church. Can you say amen? And there's going to be an increase to you and an overflow to all of us. But this is a time where we're like, God, I'm all in. God, I'm yours. I orient my heart away from worshiping the promise and back to your presence. I I orient my heart. I won't go unless your presence goes with me because it's not worth it. I'd rather be in the wilderness with your presence. I'd rather be like David on the backside of a mountain worshiping you than in the most beautiful palaces of the world. Can you say amen? Does your heart burn for his presence? Does your heart know that the church is like Moses on the mountain? And like the shepherds in a field? We don't have to be afraid of his glory. Lastly and quickly, the thing about David in the cave, 1 Samuel 22, the cave of Adullam. Now, it's crazy, man. David's story, I, I love it. I, I love it, and, and at the same time, it, it bothers me because I feel like it, I identify with it very much. It's the journey between anointing and inauguration. Many years went by after David was anointed king to when he came into the throne. Hello? And he never stopped. Loving, pursuing, and following the wind of his presence. David finds himself in the cave of Adullam before he flees to Judah, and there's 400 people that are all discontent, bitter, and in debt. 
<laughs> he's running for his life. God anoints him, and he's running for his life. Now, this is after the lion, this is after the bear, and after Goliath. After he was chosen and anointed among all his brothers. Now he's in a stronghold, but he's in a dark cave with messed up, broken people. And the Lord tells him to flee to Judah. Right after this, I was reading this and my heart was like almost sick. The old wineskin, Saul, is upset because the priests were kind of like on David's side. And he kills 85 priests. He murders 85 priests. I feel like it's the spirit, the principality that will deceive an old wineskin thinking that it's okay to do what we do without presence. Killed 85 priests. Like I was reading and I was like, oh, I was like, can you imagine the grief in the heart of God in that moment? The one that he anointed as king. So the journey between anointing and inauguration, that's, that's fun, right? But no matter what David went through, he was always God's man. I want to be known for having a love, an honor, and a zeal for his presence. See, David was wounded by love for God's presence. You see it all through the Psalms. It's not what we do well, but it's who's with us. It's not by might or power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Can you say amen? Amen. And in closing, I just want to read this verse at the end of David's life. There's so many sermons within this time frame. But at the end of David's life, in 2 Samuel 23, the scripture says that David was a a man that God exalted. How many know he was a king? He's actually known as a prophet, priest, and king. Like David took on a, a, a very powerful role. He was a type of Jesus. But then the Bible just says he's a man. I don't know what's happening with the keyboard. It's not her. It's, there's something going on. So David, was he's a man that God exalted. And here's what it calls him. It doesn't say David, this wonderful king that ushered in the, and brought unity to the tribes of Israel. No, no. You know what it calls him? The sweet psalmist of Israel. Oh man, I don't know why that hit me. I was reading and I'm like, that's what I want to be known for. I want to be known for someone who loves God's presence. Can you say amen? amen? How many are in this place? And Can we just say yes to that? Lord, I'm all for seeing the promises performed, but Not if it's without presence. We will acknowledge, we will turn our affection to you, and we will be a people of presence. Nothing is worth the sacrifice of his face, his presence. Can you say amen?
Hi, Pastor Zach here at Encounter Church in Rochester, New York. Hope you were blessed by that message. And we want to give you an opportunity to sow into the ministry if you'd like to. If you would, just go to revival.me and click on the button that says give. Thanks again and have a blessed, blessed day.